0: Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hello, and welcome to the cast episode 144. The Drabblecast is a weekly flash fiction audio magazine that brings strange stories by strange authors to strange listeners, such as yourself. I'm your host, Norm Sherman. So, it's the last episode of 2009. Had a great year with you folks. There's a lot more people enjoying our content now than there was in 2008, so I'd say it's been a good year here at the Drabblecast. Thanks to everyone who helped make that happen. Here's to 2010 being even better. Mmm, champagne at 8.30 in the morning. Here's to 2010 being a lot better. So we've got kind of a theme to this week's show, but I'll let you figure that puppy out for yourself. We're going to kick it off with a drabble by a very funny fella. Drabbles are stories exactly 100 words, a worthy challenge for anyone. Give it a shot. Send yours into drabblecast at yahoo.com. This week's drabble is called Brush With Greatness, brought to us by Rish Outfield. Not much can be said about Mr. Outfield that hasn't already been said by the average parent trying to scare their children into behaving, or into going to sleep, or into keeping their mouths shut about what they saw take place in the woodshed. He's one of the funny, talented guys from the Doonstief podcast, which just pumped out a great little Christmas story that I was fortunate enough to be able to narrate. Check them out at Doonstief.com. I met the ghost of James Dean once. He said the afterlife is nice, but also a place of regret. He said he missed somebody called Billy Bast. James Dean told me to take advantage of every day, because anyone could be my last, as he well knew. He called me a pretty cool cat, and I thought him and me could have been friends had we met back in the 50s. When I tell people this true story, they often accuse me of smoking crack. But I swear, this happened to me on one of the days that I didn't. Well, our feature story this week is called joneyrules.bloggermax.com by Nick Mamatis. Nick is the author of two novels, Under My Roof and Move Underground, as well as nearly 60 short stories, many of which were recently collected in the book You Might Sleep, which I have, and which I must say is, (laughs) wow, out there. In a good way. In a really good way, actually. His fiction's been nominated for the Bram Stoker and International Horror Guild Awards, and he's done editorial work for the Hugo and World Fantasy Awards, though he's never won a thing. A native New Yorker, Nick now lives in the California Bay Area, where he edits Japanese science fiction fantasy and translation for Heike Soro. And I'm giving the storytelling reins over to someone else this week, folks. Old Uncle Norm needs a little break every now and then, you know? Plus, I'd never be able to pull off this story as well as she does. Introducing Naomi Mercer. Naomi has years of experience in the voiceover industry. Her background as a singer and actor gave her the microphone technique and acting chops, and voiceover became a perfect fit. Her recent roles include EA Games' Nera Celefias in Mass Effect 2 and The Baroness in G.I. Joe, as well as Witchcraft in Champions Online by Cryptic Studios. Her clients have included Lockheed Martin, Virgin Mobile, BMW, and Code Baby Inc. to name a few. Upcoming, she'll be the voice of the Chic Report at blogs.fashionweekdaily.com to give you the latest scoop on New York's designers and fashion trends. You can find Naomi at NaomiMercer.com, which we'll have in our show notes. So, without further ado, JoanieRules.BloggerMax.com by Nick Mamatas.
0: JoniRules.bloggermax.com September 13, 2012 Karma Police arrest that man Went to Jen's party last night and it just goes to show you that I should really never leave the house I wore this great little top and sexy Italian tights I picked up this summer and spent 15 bucks I don't have on Chilean table wine This will be important later The G-Train, predictably enough, took an hour to show up, and the platform was hotter than a crotch. So much for ironing. The train was packed too, and I spent the trip with my nose shoved into some guy's wonderfully sticky and stanky armpit. I don't blame him though. I smelled traces of some cheap-ass deodorant mixed in with the sweat and landfill stench pouring off of him, so he was probably just stuck on the train for so long that the degree or whatever finally gave out. It was no fun, though. Also no fun, Jen's party. Given the hopeless nature of our times. When I got up to her apartment, she rushed up to me and whispered, Shit, you're here. Didn't you see my IM? Like, nobody came. She was right. There were about five people there. With me making six, and Jen and her two asshole roommates chewing on nachos and bellowing loudly about whatever lame-ass reality show they'd be best on. How about Living Room Losers? This is why I don't have a TV. It has turned every possible conversation in the world into dimensionless mush. I was also the only one who bothered to dress up, and I paid for that too. I was sweaty and wrinkly and probably had stink lines coming off my forehead from that guy on the train, but Jen's asshole roommate's asshole boyfriend attached himself to me anyway. The roomie, Lynn, just sat on a beanbag the entire time, her head poking out of a giant rumpled sweatshirt, frowning at me. I'd have extricated myself, but there was literally nobody else to talk to but Jen, who kept picking up the phone and hanging it up and checking her email over and over. He kept asking me if I was into comics or slot car racing. WTF is slot car racing! I finally got into the kitchen to get something to drink, and I couldn't even find my own wine. The sweatshirt monster popped up behind me and told me that Chilean table wines for cooking, and that I should have brought some pork chops to marinate if I wanted them to keep it. I didn't even know what to say. I mean, what kind of dick demands pork chops from people? And it wasn't just a joke, either. This girl has no sense of humor. I would have left right then, but Jen looked so miserable, and she did witness my play and quickly get me some vodka from the freezer. I was drinking that and pretending to look at the bookshelves. Who the hell needs 30 Buffy novels? And I hear that noise. All girls love. You know the one. Psst. Psst. Like a freaking cat or something. It's the boyfriend looking at me from one of the bedrooms. The door just cracked open a bit. He starts waving like a retard at me to come in. Even though I'm staring daggers at him, I go in anyway because I'm afraid that someone else is going to hear his hissing, and what does he have for me? My wine, in two glasses, are waiting on the night table, and then he reaches down, undoes his belt, and pulls his dick out of his fly, all floppy and gray. Ew! And he wasn't even drunk. I ran back out, spent 20 minutes in the bathroom reading the same freaking issue of Nylon over and over. And then when I heard someone else finally show up to the lame-ass party, I got out, said goodbye to Jen, and took a cab all the way home. Last time I go to Jen's house, definitely. I love her, but she needs to start smacking people in that house around. September 15th, 2012. A bigger hammer is better than a smaller hammer. Dear Spammers of America, Thanks for the multiple offers to increase the size of my penis. I really do appreciate it, as I am well aware of the problems that so many couples face these days. However, I really don't need another 6 inches, and I certainly don't need them by tomorrow. I also don't want to generate 650% more sperm. Because I am a girl, so please stop sending me your ads. Thank you. Joni A. P.S. Same goes for breast enhancement creams, pills, drink mixes, exercise books, Floby style vacuum cleaner attachments, or blessed holy water. October 3rd, 2012. Oh my God! Really sorry I haven't updated this in a while, but I've been very busy. It's been weird, seriously weird. Fires, floods, dogs and cats living together. It's chaos, I tell you, or however that goes. Okay, this is going to sound extremely weird. Uh, Just bear with me here though, okay? Especially you, Barry. I've heard your rants on religion too many times already. (sighs) Last week, I was walking to work. It was warm for a change and sunny, and I also overspent on a bagel and locks, and my metro card was out of ride, so I had to walk, but I didn't care. There was something in the air, and it wasn't just the urinary smell. I was walking up 6th Ave, and then I saw God, filling up the sky. Really, God! He was everywhere, all at once. Beard, muscles, blazing eyes streams of light coming out from behind his back and arms from horizon to horizon. And he pointed at me and told me he wanted me, Joni, to raise an army and drive the English out of France. The voice, it was like sitting on a thunderbolt. I felt my whole body, the whole street shake but nobody else seemed to notice it, or when I fell to my knees. I'm agnostic! I couldn't speak. I could just stare up into the face of God. I can't remember the details, I keep trying to sketch it out, but when I look back at the page, all I see is that I've drawn out that optical illusion of a three-dimensional cube over and over, and listen as he spoke to me. I am always with you, and I shall not abandon you. Drive the English back across the sea and save France for the mother church. This sounds ridiculous. I know, it's like watching an old movie where everyone has a British accent, even if they're supposed to be in ancient Rome or something. God is just impossible to translate. The words weren't like that at all, not like a conversation, just a flood of pure knowing. Leadership, military strategy, French language skills, scripture, wilderness, survival, guerrilla warfare, maps to towns, and sewer systems all over Europe. At once, like, slamming back a shot so quickly you don't even know it's gone down until it hits the bottom of your stomach. I want to type everything God said to me in all caps, but I hate it when I see that on other blogs. Anyway, the long story short is that I'm in England now. (laughs) If you ever go to London, definitely take Virgin Atlantic. It's only $300, the food is great for airline food, and they have old school Nintendo games to play. I also caught half of some movie about girls who win some surfer cheerleading squad competition. Lame. If you want to know more about what's going on, turn on the news tonight. All the channels should be covering it. October 7th, 2012, all quiet on the Western Front. The war goes well. The British swine were not expecting a war from within, and we are routing them. Upon landing, I met with my brothers and sisters in the Lord and we began operations immediately. We've centered our attacks in Knightsbridge, an area too populous for the RAF to risk bombing, and the block-by-block fighting are keeping units tied up here. I killed four men today with my bare hands. God in heaven forgive this sinner. Tomorrow we push forward and take out the channel. October 8th, 2012. To the asshole who calls himself Run DMV. Thanks so much for the nasty ass and poorly spelled email this morning, asshole. Who doesn't want to wake up to something called Dear Vag Face, F U Frog Bitch? That's a quote, ladies and gentlemen. Listen, there's a lot going on in my life right now, and I don't necessarily feel like sharing with every idiot who managed to get a free AOL CD in the mail and figure out his way onto the internet. If you want to argue continental politics or eschatology with me, I suggest you waddle down to the local recruiting station and get your worthless anonymous coward hide shipped out here. You're typing fingers versus the avenging sword of Christ. What do you say? No? Didn't think so. Kiss my once and future virgin ass. You cannot hide from the sight of the Lord. October 9th, 2012. Beautiful. Few things are as beautiful as a sunset over a city in flames. Here is a pic, and another one, and one with Jacques. P.S. I love European men, especially the ones who bathe as often as Americans. October 12th, 2012. Feet don't fail me now! I'm updating this on the run, literally. Paul and Andres managed to jerry-rig one of those kiosks where you can check your email into working. And I'm sending this out to Alex the Seal and asking him to put it up on the blog. I fear that things have taken a turn for the worse. We've yet to meet defeat, but the countryside is difficult to hold. With so much empty space between the towns, miles can be gained and lost almost instantly. The PM has also decided that he'd rather reign in hell than serve in heaven, and has begun to firebomb my positions. Better a Britain without life than one with Joan, said the Daily Mirror today. Churchill, he is not, for this time he is the evil, attempting to hold back the tides of righteousness. Today I woke up and did not feel his presence though I know he remains with me. I'm sure it's a test of my faith and my spirit, but I find myself wondering if God the Father can truly sanction all this death. October 14th, 2012. I am a poor girl. I do not know how to ride or fight. An angel of the Lord appeared before me this morning and led me away from camp and to an old chapel on the side of a small town. Where the choir voices said it would be, in a small cellar beneath the altar, I found an ancient and blessed bazooka and a number of shells. With it on my shoulder, I picked my way through the craters and smoking ruins of the countryside. My weary troops inspired and took to their feet. I presented myself to the front, where I told the local colonel in no uncertain terms that he should withdraw his troops, return to London, and convince his leaders to surrender. He claimed to know nothing of any campaign against France, and even said that he'd never been to Orleans except for once on holiday. A long weekend. The righteous bazooka showed his immediate underlings the error of his ways. October 17th, 2012, a quick survey. I saw this survey on Jen's blog and just had to be a lemming and pass the memo along. I think it'll also help all my new readers get grounded. I got nothing to lose. What's on your bedside table? A Glock, gas mask, some rations, and TEDA, my stuffed doggy. What is the geekiest part of your music collection? That CD with the Gregorian chants. What do you eat when you raid the fridge late at night? Ha! I wish I had a fridge out here. Back home, yogurt, mostly Dan and strawberry. Out here, mostly just Lifesavers and other sucking candies. So much dust ends up in my mouth. What's your secret guaranteed weeping movie? The Last Unicorn. It's lame, I know. Shut up. If you could have plastic surgery, what would you have done? Breast reduction. Do you have a completely irrational fear? Honestly, sometimes I worry that humanity is so degraded and shamed that we are truly beyond saving. What is the little physical habit that gives away your insecure moment? Agent Smith 75 says that I rub my left temple with the tips of my three fingers. Do you ever have to beg? What do you think? Are you a pyromaniac? (laughs) Depends on who you ask. Do you have too many love interests? I only have one love. Do you know anyone famous? You could say that. Describe your bed. Currently, I sleep on a mat. Spontaneous or planned? Spontaneous. Who should play you in a movie about your life? Right now, I'm thinking anime. Okay, this thing is already too long. Good night, doodlebugs. October 30th, 2012. Ugh, I hate myself and want to die. November 11th, 2012. Make a wish. My cousin Kelly told me that, once in what I call a lime Kool-Aid summer. I spent three weeks out on Long Island with her and my favorite Aunt Margaret. They always had a bit more money than my mom and an above-ground pool. We had lime Kool-Aid every day and played all sorts of little imagination games in the pool, like Indiana Jones meets Jacques Gusteau and Mermaid and Sailors. That second game was like junior slut training. Then when the mosquitoes started chewing on us, we'd go inside and watch some MTV and practice dance moves till dinner. Nighttime was for HBO movies. We sat through all sorts of crap. I even saw DC Cab before it was cool and ironic to admit to it. Anyway, one night we were drinking yet one more bug juice. Really, I'm amazed that the green ever got off my lips and teeth. And Kelly turned to me and said, it's 11 make a wish. It was just a weird little thing a pair of kids shaking from sugar and hormones say sometimes, but it stuck with me. Whenever I saw those four ones glowing red in my clock radio or one of those outdoor clocks made out of dozens of little light bulbs, I'd make a wish. Usually for a halfway decent relationship or some clue as to what I am supposed to do with my life. I don't know if it ever paid off, but something sure happened to me. The voices tell me that tomorrow men will come for me and that I will not be getting away this time, but that I shouldn't be afraid, for I have done well in the sight of God. I'm shaking, but it's not from fear. And I'm crying a bit, but it's not because I'm sad. It's just energy seeping out of every pore, like some weird dynamic kind of exhaustion. They tell me Westminster is finally burning, and I don't need the voices to tell me that I might be next. It's fine, though. It's all for the best. I seriously believe that. The plan is all coming together. I can tell because it's the 11th of November, 1111, and I just made another wish.
1: our story hope you enjoyed voices in your head god devil psychological disorder or the crack induced ghost of james dean just hear them out that's all we're saying well we have got a lot of listener story feedback to catch up on several weeks ago we ran a story about the jungle taking over the planet called kingdom come by k kenyon phenopath said i give this episode an unreserved woot I'm fascinated by the concept of the post-human landscape, although in this case, the humans are still about, they just have to get out of the way fast. I also like the main character, an aged, hard ass, and the only man with the balls to take the new reality at face value. Awesomely bearded forum member Dream Rock said, I love the Drabble, absent-minded professor, but really wasn't a fan of Kingdom Come. I thought maybe I did it wrong, so when I did my second listen through, it's become a ritual, I never listened to the Drabblecast just once, I paid extra attention. There was never a point where the main character's change of heart at the end made sense. The concept of an earth in search of biodiversity was very cool, and the transformations were an interesting concept, but I just really can't say I got into this one. Dougal Strange said, I also really like the Drabble. I mean, really, it gave Drabbles Everywhere a one-up. The story had some interesting ideas, but I couldn't tell after the phone call if this was real or if it was just all going on in the guy's head lead hyena, agreed, saying, thank you. From reading the initial comments, I began to think that I was the only one who didn't take the old man's story at face value. The sad story about getting replaced at his job, the bitterness, the jungle elements taking on technology values, the attachment of Chrissy as being the daughter he never had, it all felt like kind of a head trip to me. I felt really bad for him. Interesting points, guys. I hadn't really considered that possibility myself, but I see what you're talking about. Then, the following week, we ran a story about motocross riding dinosaurs with guns by Leonard Richardson called Now Let Us Praise Awesome Dinosaurs. I'm just going to read one post here because I think it sums up everything best. Talia said, Absolutely outstanding. My favorite Drabblecast ever. Even into the future, I'm psychic. The story was really about the splinter group that was kidnapping dinosaurs and forcing them to fight as their true selves, not the cultured people they had become. This was a group that further adhered to what the dinosaurs had observed, that people were interested in the dinosaurs of the past, not the present, and not even the true past, just what the dinosaurs had become in human mythology. These were just extremists. The monster truck sabotage was another allusion to the extremism that had developed. Weirdly, I kind of think it was more a tale about how humanity's mindset works than it was about dinosaurs, per se, in a way. Way to go, Talia. The story for me was extremely fun to put together and produce, but I also think it's neat on multiple levels. If you're listening right now and not a member of our discussion forums, you ought to join and get to know the Drabblecast community. It's a good crowd. Our 100-character story winner this week is probably one of my favorite twitfics in a long time. Congrats to the Jebby and his muse for slapping together this concise and poignant little story. God stared through the stained glass window, longing for the half-remembered times before these prisons had existed. That story was recently posted on our Twitter feed. You should follow the Drabblecast there if you're into really, really short stories. And honestly, who isn't? Our kick-ass donor of the week this week is... Ellie Doyle. Ellie is a knitwear designer who lives part-time in the UK and part-time in the Faroe Islands. She likes reading and listening to free audio fiction, the latter giving her something to do during those long hours of knitting and designing. She just started selling yarn as well, so if yarn, knitting, and crochet is your thing, check out www.magpie-yarns.co.uk. Ellie says she's a big fan of both Drabblecast and Drabblecast B-Sides, which is our other podcast, and features, well, Stories that we really, really love, but for whatever reason didn't quite see working on the main feed. I just posted a new episode earlier this week by Matthew Bay that features a massive battle between elves, unicorns, and vampires. You aren't going to want to miss that. If you aren't subscribed, you can find a link to the B-Sides podcast at the top of our main page, drabblecast.org. Head on over there when you get a chance. Oh, and one more quick special thanks and plug. Our awesome episode... Our awesome episode art this week was done by London-based cartoonist Sean party. Sean writes and illustrates a variety of different subject matters, from myopic concierges to manic monsters. Most evenings, he can fa- Most evenings he can be found getting a tan from his desk lamp, drawing fun stuff such as God with laser beams coming out of his eyes, and listening to many, many podcasts. His internet lair can be found at fatcats.org.uk. And that's the cool spelling of fatcats with P-H-A-T-C-A-T-Z.org.uk. So that's our show, folks. Well, most of it at least. I still gotta ask you for money. <laughs> Remember, Drabblecast runs pretty much 100% off of copious amounts of alcohol in the morning and listener support from fans such as yourself. You could get the show totally for free, but why be that guy? Check us a donation. It can even be just a little bit if you want. Or you can subscribe for an automatic five bucks a month. Find both options off of our main page at travelcast.org. Other than that, you can help us out by writing us a review on iTunes, Podcast Alley, wherever, blogging about us, linking to us, or sharing with your friends. No lame-ass DRM or lawyers here, folks. Copy and distribute as much as you'd like. We're produced under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No-Derivatives License, which means as long as you don't change the content or try to sell it, you're good to go. We'll see you in 2010, weirdos. Till then, our staff is made up of co-editors Kendall Marchman, Luke Coddington, and yours truly, Norm Sherman, reminding you that James Dean thinks you're a pretty cool cat. Words were all when spoke. Yes, words were all splurred when spoke.